everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Sherelle McMahon with you alongside, well, not alongside, but with Bianca Chatfield, where quite some thousands of kilometres away still be. Um, hi, how are you doing up there? You've been released. How is it feeling to have some freedom? Oh, I'm absolutely loving life up here, Sherelle. Very different to being in Victoria, um, but also just... I don't know. I've never really looked forward to being courtside at the netball more than what I was on the weekend. And it was super exciting to be there. It's so great to see the girls in action. And I mean, we had two pretty good finals as well to start us off. Um, and now we see the Vixens go straight through to that grand final, which I'm sure you being an assistant coach sitting at home for the Vixens, you must have been pretty excited seeing them have such a significant win against the Lightning. Yeah, look, if you told me that the margin in the end was 16 goals and it had pushed out a little bit further than that even at times during the game, if you told me that before the game, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but so I'm, I was really wrapped with how they played. They started the game really well, which is not always what we've been able to do this season. So um, that was really pleasing to see them kind of start the game well. And I just thought that they were they were strong all over the court. I thought that they, you know, a lot of the girls just had really solid games um, right across the court. Um, and yeah, exciting through to a grand final. It's the first grand final that a lot of these athletes have played, um, and so that's that's a really significant milestone for them. And now it's a matter of. Uh, getting through well it's only nearly just over a week now but it's you know a long time to get through after starting the season playing two games every week and we did see in the other semi-final it was a really a tale of two halves New South Wales Swifts they really stood up in that first half and couldn't keep it up though but we saw the likes of Sunday Ariane come on and just dominate taking intercepts in the same place within like minutes of each other. It was just, <laughs> it was so exciting to see her in action. The rolling subs, we've spoken about how much that really does add to the game and being able to make those changes. Uh, what did you make of that clash? And did you think the fever were going to get through in the end? Oh, look, I, I thought that maybe the Swiss had enough of a margin, um, to be honest, and to be able to push that out. But look, full, I mean, massive credit to fever uh, on being able to pull that back from that situation in an elimination final no doubt the nerves would have been pinging um, <laughs> at that time when they were down by that far so they were able to control those nerves and this is a group that um, you know hasn't had a, an extreme amount of um, experience in those finals campaigns so that was um, just really impressive to see actually from fever and you know, I think that they were just able to really steady and, as you said, created some great turnovers, particularly through that middle um, mm. middle third. Um, Sunday Ariane was really impressive in her ability to come off that line and, and have a challenge at the ball. So I guess, you know, I'm an opposition assistant coach, obviously, and a big part of my role this year has been uh, scouting and looking at opposition teams and who we're going to be coming up against. So I'll be looking at the first half as perhaps, uh, you know, <laughs> what the Swiss were doing and then the second half, uh, perhaps the other way around. So, um, yeah, it'll be it's, – it's a really – I'm really looking for – I haven't really dived all the way into uh, kind of breaking it down, but I'm looking forward to doing that. And so who wins then out of Fever and Lightning this weekend? Oh, um, Take your assistant <laughs> coach hat off. Who do you just think is going to win? Oh, I, I'm finding this really hard because they're two really different teams, aren't they? There's, you know, the Fever who, as I said, haven't had that 
heaps of experience where the Lightning have. I mean, they've got that finals experience and, you know, the ability to do that really well. Um, oh, I was going to say a draw, but they play it for time, <laughs> don't they? Ugh, what do you sure think? Sure do. <laughs> uh, look, I think the Fever, I think Fever will win. Um, I'm like you. I think I, I I'm certainly haven't ridden off Lightning because you just can't underestimate what they can do in the moment and they know how to do it. Uh, but I just think the Fever are just too strong and have just been a lot more consistent in, this year than what the Lightning have been. Yeah. Yeah, and it's obviously their ability to score. They've got um, the league's best goal shooter by that far. It's not even funny. So certainly their scoring ability is is something that um, is really challenging for opposition teams, that's for sure. So very much looking forward to seeing. So you're just going to sit up. on the fence. Yes, I'm getting splinters right on the fence. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to give any ammunition to anyone. <laughs> whoever whoever gets through will be happy to see. Okay. Over a week's time, Bianca. Um, there's obviously been um some quite significant announcements and and movements over the last week. Um. Our guest today uh, that we'll be chatting with just shortly, Caitlin Bassett, has announced that she is moving across to New Zealand. Obviously, she's the Australian Diamonds captain, but also Rosalie Jenke, who's been the coach of the Queensland Firebirds really successfully for a very long time now, has announced that, in fact, she'll be stepping away from that contract extension that she had just agreed with, uh, Queensland Netball. Um, So that kind of came out of the blue for me. Um, Was that something that surprised you? I was not expecting that at all um, when it was announced yesterday. And I think, um, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it was Rose's choice. I don't know if that was discontinued by the club. No idea. However, we know that there is a job opening down in Melbourne. And I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes that maybe Rosalie wants to go home to Melbourne and that she's going to coach the Magpies. I'm just throwing it out there. There's got to be a reason behind it. Um, but I hope Rosalie's... Um, done it so that we can see her at some stage pop up somewhere as a coach again because she certainly has been a very successful coach at SSN level. Well, she has at SSN level but also in that assistant coach role with the Diamonds too. So she's, you know, such a, an experienced coach. Um, so, yeah, it will be very interesting to see what happens with Rosalie next. And as I mentioned just a little bit earlier, Caitlin Bassett, of course, making that huge announcement, which probably wasn't a complete surprise. Um in terms of her maybe looking for other opportunities because we all did see the season that she had this year within the Giants netball and the lack of opportunity that she had on court. And, I mean, I just don't think that we've seen that before happen to an Australian Diamonds captain. And to see it play out on our TV screens was uh, was really, really interesting and strange to watch that happening. Um, and, obviously, there's there was a lot going on in terms of the decisions that were being made and, the Giants, I, I feel like, and I know Caitlin's come out to say that it wasn't to do with the two-point shot and that, you know, she was able to potentially have an impact there. But, I mean, I just think it it is to do with the two-point shot because you've got them two, basically, what, two of the most prolific two-point shooters in that team. And it would seem that the decision has been made that that's who they want on the court to impact not only during that five-point um, time in the, in the Power Five, but throughout the rest of the quarter. Well, and the Giants were the ones that took on that two-point shot more than anybody or the super shot. Um, Yeah, so I I agree. I think it's definitely had 
a part to play. Um, and just to get let all our listeners know, for the last um, probably couple of months, we've been touching base with Caitlin Bassett. We've both played with her before, and we've been we've been saying we'd love to get you on the podcast. We'd love to talk to you about it all. What's going on? How are you coping? And she has been pretty good in that she said, "We'd I'd love to talk to you, but I'm just not in the right place right now." So that's been going on the last few weeks and as soon as yesterday came and she and made the announcement she sent me a message and said I'm ready to come on now and so I just think that's really great that she's been happy to be open and honest with us and come on the podcast today because we know you have so many questions out there there's so many things flying around (laughs) on social media and yeah I'm just I just think it's really good that Caitlin is allowing us to interview her and find out exactly what's happening because no doubt it's been one of the toughest years she's ever had to experience as a player. Absolutely. And one of the toughest decisions she, I, I guess, that she's probably had to make within her netballing career too. I mean, I know that she has moved clubs a couple of times, but to make the decision to leave the Australian program. Um, and I'm just really interested in her insights as to the conversations with Netball Australia and the impact that that has within the Diamonds program and all that. So um, we'll be looking forward to that. Don't forget, though, it did happen obviously, in reverse with Laura Langman with the Silverfans captain coming over to play (laughs) in our league. So I know that some of our New Zealand fans have kind of been going, why are we, you know, helping the Australian Diamonds (laughs) captain out? Why would we be doing that? But we've been helping the Silverfans captain out for a number of years now, Bianca. (laughs) We sure have. And I'll tell you what, I've been loving having Laura Langman over here because she's added so much to the league. And I can only imagine that's exactly what Caitlin Bassett is going to do over in New Zealand. She's going to add a whole new dimension to that league. She's going to be able to share so much knowledge with them just about not necessarily how Australia play, but how she plays the game uh, and probably learn a hell of a lot how to play against the New Zealand style too. So I think, you know what, if this is the best thing for Caitlin, I think it's the best thing for her to go. I don't think any of us have the right to say whether it's a good or bad decision. If it's the best thing for her personally, then we all just need to watch it all play out. Absolutely. And as I kind of said, there is no doubt this has been a tough decision for her, I'm guessing. Um, so, you know, that a lot of thought would have been put into making this big call for her to go across the Dutch to, <laughs> to play in 2021. So we shall see how that all plays out. And I actually think, let's just get into it, Bianca. Have you got anything else you wanted to chat with me about before we did that? No, it's all about Caitlin Bassett, Sherelle. Sorry about that. No questions for you. Let's get to Caitlin. <laughs> That's it. Let's do it. Caitlin Bassett up just after this. As we mentioned earlier, we are very excited to have this lady come on and join us and talk about lots of different things. Caitlin Bassett, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Sorry I couldn't chat to you earlier on, guys. Um, But yeah, it's nice to be home and settled and finally, um, yeah, have some conversations and some chats with two of my favourite players. Oh, look, we are more than happy to wait. And, you know, you obviously had a bit going on, Sivas, so we're happy to be down the line a little bit. But there has obviously been the big announcement. Everyone is aware of it, that you are heading across to New Zealand to play to next uh, next year with the Magic. How are the emotions now that that is, is finally had been decided and, and you know exactly what your 2021 is going to look like? Yeah, I reckon I got the best sleep I've had this year, last night. Mm. Um, it's been really stressful. Um, 
obviously trying to make sure I'm doing uh, what's best for me, first and foremost. And that feels really weird um, as a team player and part of a team sport is actually being a bit selfish and thinking about what's going to be best for me. But then obviously making sure that everyone else is okay with the decision as well. And um, yeah, I've probably spent um, you know, far too much of my phone credit um, on the phone to, to Marnie Fechner and to Stacey West at Netball Australia and then obviously to Stacey Marinkovic as well as all of my support network um, to just make sure that, you know, this is going to be the best thing, um, you know, for me on and off the netball court. Seabass, before we get on to the actual decision, um, I put it out on Twitter today to say, We've got Caitlin Bassett on and we know there's a lot of conversation going on about why and if it's the right thing and what happened to you this year. So I thought it was really important that we go to you directly. And can you just give us a bit of an insight what 2020 has been like for you personally? Yeah, look, I'd love to see what um, people think on Twitter. I actually, um, I don't have it. I've tried to stay off social media as much as possible in 2020. Um, move. I just found that's been great um, for my own mental health. But I guess, um, yeah, it's, well, it's been frustrating for any athlete, I guess. Um, I started pre-season um, at the end of December, January, um, and then uh, went to Perth and ruptured my MCL in a practice match playing against West fever so that was obviously frustrating because um originally it meant I probably wouldn't have been ready for round one of Suncorp Super Netball if it had a run on time um and then COVID happened and uh everything got pushed back and got put on hold so I did all my rehab at home I spoke to um Gemma our physio as much as I could and I went and snuck off and saw her when I could um to get some treatment but uh yeah it was, it was pretty tough and then Finally, we got to join back together and train for eight weeks before we before we got told that we were heading up to Queensland to play in a hub situation. So it's um, it's been a pretty crazy year in terms of, um, you know, for netball, getting injured, not knowing if I'd be ready, netball getting put back, not knowing if the season was even going to go ahead and just being in this continual state of pre-season, I guess, for about nine months. And then we saw, obviously, you not get a huge amount of court time, which is which is so unfamiliar for a player like yourself. You know, you're the captain of the Diamonds. You've been the dominant goal shooter in the league for so long. What was it like for you being on the bench? And, and how did you cope with that both mentally and emotionally? Yeah, look, I guess I don't think just because I'm Australian's captain that I have any right just to walk onto the court. I totally understand that. Um, it's based on performance and um, obviously we're here to win. Like I know that as much as, as anyone does. Um, and so I guess, um, you know, before the very first game, before I even stepped out on court, um, Julia told me that, you know, she was going to take me off halfway through the first quarter. So I guess, you know, um, that in my head before I'd even jumped out on court was a little bit of, oh, okay, I guess I get out there and play as well as I can. And, um you know, maybe things will change um, depending how the game develops. But I guess it has been a very long time since I've been on the court, got pulled off the court, jumped back out on court. I guess even back when I first started playing in the Australian Diamonds team, um, I, you know, would normally come on for the last quarter or maybe a half of netball depending. Um, but coming on and off the court, I think is something the first time I've ever done in my, in my career. So yeah, it, it was pretty challenging in that regard, I guess, just because when you're growing up, if you're playing well, you generally stay out on court. Um, and if you're not performing well, you, you come off the court. And so 
um, coming on and off the court, not based on any performance, but purely now because of tactics, it, it's a very different position to be in. And it's just really interesting, Caitlin, hearing you talk about that, that that was what was communicated to you really early on in the piece that, you know, you would be potentially coming off that court at that stage. As the season progressed, how did those conversations um, and communication go between uh, you and Julie Fitz and, you know, knowing kind of exactly what role she wanted you to play? Yeah, there was lots of conversations that happened early on in the season. Um, I remember um, after, I think it was the first Firebirds game that we drew to them, um, the training afterwards, Julie pulling the attacking end aside and, um, you know, having a conversation with us saying, you know, I probably shouldn't have changed things around as much as I did. Um, you know, and I obviously voiced my opinion that, um, you know, sometimes it does take a little while to settle. And then once you're settled and in your groove, things can really take off in, in terms of in the attacking end um, and gaining that confidence about being left out there. And um, the next game was my 200th game, um, which was really exciting. Obviously, getting to play it against West Coast Fever was, um, you know, as coming from the West, it was, it was a pretty cool milestone. Um, staying on the whole game and riding the ebbs and flows of the game and, and getting that win, I guess, um, for me, gave me a lot of confidence. And um, I thought, you know, after that performance, um, things were going to be pretty straightforward. We would either leave, you know, players out there unless there were drastic measures that needed to be taken or we needed to catch up. Um, but then I guess um, for me, it was about combinations as well. And um, I was really keen to get out there and play with Kira Austin, who's obviously more of a traditional goal attack, who I've grown up playing with the likes of, you know, Nat Medhurst and Stephanie Wood, who do that work outside the circle and um, leave me in a one-on-one at the post with a with a defender. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I guess, even though I asked a few times, um, it was never even something that we tried out at training, which was frustrating at times, I guess. And we hear a lot about the super shot. It's been the huge talking point of 2020. And we know it came in very late. Uh, and you have said that the reason for leaving is not because of the super shot. But I want to know what you actually think of it. And do you think it's something that you could take on as a player and that you could enjoy playing the super shot and being able to take those long shots from, from out there in the last five minutes of each quarter? Yeah, look, I won't lie. I'm a netball traditionalist. Um, and so, you know, when the super shot got thrust upon us, I was disappointed because um, for me, I just think about how it affects grassroots teams. And, um, you know, for me, if I was a young girl wanting to play netball for the Giants or, um, you know, for any other Suncorp team, I'd want to be playing the same rules as them. Um, and then if you think about girls playing in our league who are wanting to aspire to play for Australia or play for their home country, you almost want to be playing the same rules that are playing the international league. So I feel like it is very hard to prepare yourself to play at the best level or to have those aspirations to play, um, you know, international rules when you can't really be judged on your performances um, at a competition. And so um, that was frustrating, but, you know, more than happy to take it on board. And I think Julie's um, perception of, you know, well, this is, is what it is and we're going to make it work for us, was a, um, it was really good. Um, gave us a lot of confidence and we practiced a lot of training and um, I guess um, while I don't traditionally shoot a lot of long shots, more than happy to put up a long shot. Um, uh, yeah, so so I guess um, the way I've seen other teams playing with the two-point shot this year um, has been, you know, if they need it. And I think what was tough for us was the two-point shot can actually hide which teams are performing well. Um, you know, if you're down by 10 goals in the first 10 minutes of a quarter and you need those super shots to catch up, that's kind of actually 
going away from what you actually need to be working on at training um, during the basic skills to make sure in the first 10 minutes of the quarter you can pull out the super shot if you need to catch up but you know you don't really need to um, so I think at times it was frustrating because you know while we were winning potentially or doing well in quarters when the super shot was being used it actually was hiding the fact that we weren't actually scoring enough or scoring off our center passes in the first 10 minutes of a quarter when we really needed it. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, Seabass, about how you trained for it and what the approach was for the Diamonds because obviously every club has taken a slightly different approach with trying to get their heads around the two-point shot. And the reality is uh, in within the Giants, there's two really great long-range long shooters. So was that a real focus to try and use that as much as you could and do you think that it was just a plan right from the start just to have two 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 point um kind of you know long range specialists out on court at the end of the game no i don't think it was the the plan at all to start off with i think we were pretty set in um playing our normal way of netball which was working the ball to the post and making sure we could now as many um, you know, one-point shots within the first 10 minutes of the quarter as possible. Um, you know, we definitely tried, you know, different combinations. Um, we obviously had Maddie Hay coming into wing attack for us, um, which was exciting. And we, we knew that we could use Kira Austin in that wing attack position as well. So that was great. But um, I think for us, we always knew that we wanted to just play normal netball because when we got too focused on the two-point shot, that's when we started rushing things and throwing the ball away. And I guess, the first couple of games for us in the season, as soon as the five five minutes of the super shot started, we got really erratic and we were just throwing the ball away instead of, you know, still even in that last five minutes, you can work the ball to the post and, and finish off with those one-point shots. So, um, yeah, I don't think that was the tactic or the plan with us for the start of the season. It just so happened that it, it, it got there pretty quickly when, um, you know, we pro- potentially weren't starting games very well and we were struggling in that first half. We really needed those two-point shots to catch us up. And I guess... When you need two-point shots, you're going to have those two players out on court who are really good at those two-point shots, which were obviously Joe and Kira in our team. So when you were you know, going through the season, at what point did it start, I guess, to or did you start thinking about that potentially I need to do something different next year? I'm, maybe I need to go somewhere else. Was there a particular moment that you remember going, I need to start working out what I'm going to do? And obviously you had a year left on your contract with the Giants. And we spoke to Chelsea Pittman and she gave us a really good insight into how the recruitment process and everything works in netball um, last week. So I'd love to get your insight into how and, and what point it was where you thought, mm, maybe I need to move. Yeah, look, after the, the first time we played Sunshine Coast Lightning, I think it was around um, six or seven, um, you know, I started the game and then and got dragged and spent the rest of the time on the bench. And, um, you know, while frustrating, I think for me, I kind of started to see a trend that maybe that was the way that things were going to start going. And um, I'd had conversations with Julie and she had said, you know, I prefer the moving circle. Um, I think she came to me before the next game and said, I'm not going to start you because I want to use the moving circle. And I said, okay, fair enough. Um, And so, you know, for me, I was thinking, okay, well, do I need to add more movement into my game? But whenever at training, I was getting instructed to stay under the post, um, to post up for the ones, um, to rebound, so to stay in the circle and not move around too much. I think that was the the thing that was said to me most this year was stay still, don't move. Um, And so I guess by doing what I was being told to do, I actually was finding myself um, struggling out on court you know there's strong defenders that you're coming up against ones that can jump really high and who are physical and pushing off the mark so 
um, I wanted to add a little bit more movement into my game. And so um, I, I guess off the back of that, I, I talked to my manager, um, Jack at TLA, and said, yeah, look, I know I'm contracted for next year, but what are the rules about getting out of the contract and asking for a release? And so um, he spoke to Kath Hubs at the Players Association um, and they talked about, you know, the contract and what it actually entailed. And, you know, if I could get out of my contract, what I was allowed to do, was I allowed to play for another club? Could I go elsewhere? Um, you know, was getting out of my contract the best thing for me? Um, was it, you know, better to potentially stay and just roll the dice on what 2021 would look like for me? And so, um, you know, they had a talk to Giants Management um, who said, they were happy to release me from my contract. Um, I had a conversation with Julie about whether she wanted me to stay in 2021. And, um, you know, she, she told me that she was, um, she felt for me, but she was pretty set that I wasn't, you know, to be in her starting seven. Um, and for me, I guess the reason why I play netball is to play netball. Um, you know, the training, the sacrifices, the living away from your family, the going into the hub, um, you know, while I enjoy the training environment, while I enjoy pushing myself at the end of the day, um, you know, I want to be out on court playing and um, developing my own game. So I guess that um, that process started then and, and, and we kind of had a look what else um, and where else I could be happy. See, Bass, it's just such challenging conversations, no doubt, happening and what you were going through and the decisions you were having to try and make all while you were up in the Queensland hub. You're away from uh, that support network that you would normally have around you and the normal life that you would usually have. How difficult was it? going through something like you've been through this year in that situation? Yeah, look, um, I've had my fair share of difficult conversations this year, critical conversations as we like to call them. And I can safely <laughs> say I'm fully prepared for life in business after netball. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think for me that isolation um, and, you know, I don't have anything against Giants. I think the way um, that they managed me up there was amazing. They let me take my car and my dog up to the Sunshine Coast um, because they know how important animal therapy is for me. Um, you know, I, I had conversations with our doctor um, regularly, um, our, our team manager, Denny, who was um, in charge of our well-being. You know, she was incredible as well. And so from that perspective, and I guess Netball Australia and, um, you know, the regular catch-ups I have with Stacey West, who's executive in, in the high performance space. Um, I, I did have access to, to psychologists. Um, I had some of my friends from the Sunshine Coast that I could go and have dinner with and feel like I could escape with. But at the end of the day, you know, when you got not going home and sleeping in your own bed or having face-to-face -face conversations with the people that you want to be talking to, um, it is really hard. And um, yeah, resilience, I think uh, I'm really proud of how I, I dealt with things while I was up there um, before leaving um, to go up into the hub, um, I, I had um, some real big issues. Um, I was trying to reduce my load. I was trying to reduce the amount of media I was doing and just make some more time in the day for me because I was really struggling. And so I didn't actually think I'd be allowed or able to, you know, last eight weeks in a hub. So the fact that I did that, I think um, I'm really proud of that. Um, and, you know, the mental resilience and, and the support I had, I think my sister called me every single day, um, really helped me get through that challenging time. And I can look back and, um, and be proud of the way I guess I conducted myself um, 
I still gave everything to the team. I, I rocked up to every training session with a smile on my face. I, I did all the extras. So players that don't play have to go and do extra sessions. I went and did that. Um, I went and played in the scratch matches that all the bench kids, um, you know, who are 12 and 15 years younger than me play each week. Um, and that's how I ended up hurting my knee before that last game. So I guess I was just getting frustrated that I was doing so much and getting so little reward for it. Yeah, wow. That's that's really great insight, Seabass, to know, you know, kind of what you were doing towards the end there. And you should absolutely be really proud. And everyone really that's been up there and, and put their life on hold should be really proud of what you've been able to achieve and the resilience you've shown to get through. Um, one of the things that you mentioned just then is obviously the uh, Netball Australia. And this is the other layer for you. You've made this big decision to go and you're not just one of the stars of SSN, you're the Australian Diamonds captain. And I'm interested in how those conversations went with, you mentioned before, Marnie Fechner, the CEO of Netball Australia, and Stacey Marinkovic, who's the newly named coach of the Australian Diamonds. Yeah, so obviously when um, when I got the offer from Magic and I was first considering it, um, I gave Marnie a call and said, look, I know this isn't ideal, but this is the situation I'm in and what would be the implications if I decided to leave Australia and go play in that competition? And, um, you know, she was, um, you know, a bit surprised and obviously asked if there was any avenues for me to continue playing netball in Australia. And I said, look, at, the, at this moment... Um, all of the teams have contracted, you know, that shooter position until the end of 2021. Um, the, the teams that haven't um, are arming and aring, and I don't really have the luxury of a lot of time because the New Zealand um, contracting period closed um, a, a lot quicker than, you know, the one here in Australia. So I only really had a couple of weeks to make that decision. Um, and so, you know, she said, what would it take for you to stay at, at Giants? And, um, was really pushing hard from that point of view. Um, but, you know, after we, we chatted and uh, I, you know, kind of gave her a bit of insight to the situation, um, I think she realised that, you know, um, doing what was best for me as a person is what's going to get best, you know, the best out of me out on court. Um, you know, I know this is obviously a risk and it might mean that um, I can no longer be done as captain. Um, but I think for me, just, you know, being in the train team and wearing the green and gold um, I, I think is my main aim at the moment um, you know my leadership aspirations are still there um, I've been captain of the team because it's what the girls in the team wanted and it's what they chose um, however if it's not what they want going forward I'm, I'm more than happy that this decision is going to be what's best for me off the court. You touched on it just quickly then that the timing didn't really work out. Did you have conversations with other SSN clubs? Because now we know that, especially in Melbourne, both Magpies and Vixens have opening for shooters. So do Thunderbirds. It, is, is it something that if you had longer, you would have waited or your major decision that New Zealand was the best place for you? Yeah, look, I obviously, I wanted to go somewhere that actually wanted me and I didn't want Netball Australia, you know, um, trying to leverage or, you know, talk talk a club into wanting to take me. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's that respect um, and that, that value that um, that I want to give a club or, you know, a club to give me and vice versa. Like, I actually wanted to go to a club that wanted me and this was like, oh, okay, we'll take Caitlin type thing. Um, you know, if I looked at every other club, they all have a, a dominant international goal shooter there. Um, and so going to another club and being in the same situation, sitting on the bench, definitely wasn't appealing for me. Um, so, so yeah, it did it did make things uh, a little bit frustrating because every time I talked to someone or 
um, you know, it was like we could be changing at Collingwood um, if you just work a couple of weeks or, you know, this could be happening at this club if you just wait. Um, and so, you know, for me, the, the fact that, um, you know, there weren't clubs jumping um, and, and wanting to give me a contract, and I'm not surprised. I sat on the bench all this year. I didn't have a particularly fantastic 2019 season either. Um, and so why would clubs be chomping at the bit to give me a contract when they haven't really seen much of me this season at all? Um, especially now, you know, with the two-point shot in play and, and players who are becoming more confident shooting further out, um, I guess that a lot of teams are, and good on them, being loyal to the to the contracted players that they have within their groups. So, um, yeah, it wasn't ideal timing-wise, but I think for me, the fact that Magic, um, you know, they turned over every stone, they were so patient, they they really made the effort, um, and their CEO was just so incredible and their coaching staff in making me feel wanted. I think for me, um, you know, coming from a team who've told me that they didn't want my services next year. Why wouldn't I want to go to a club who wanted me and that were overjoyed to have me? And so what does it look like now? When are you going to head over to New Zealand? We had a lot of people asking if your fur babies are allowed to go with you over to New Zealand. Um, and yeah, what, what, what are your expectations and what do you think it's going to be like playing in the league over there? Yeah, so firstly, um, yes, um, that was one of the first questions that I asked, if the animals could come with me. And thankfully, um, Australia and New Zealand have such a good relationship that um, animals don't have to quarantine for ages. So that's amazing. And Chino will definitely come with me. Um, and then potentially one of the rabbits as well. I'm going to have to flip a coin um, and, and one of them to take with me as well. But yeah, look, you know as much as I do. Um, I'm a bit up in the air about, you know, when I'm actually going to go over there and um, and, and those different types of things. Um, you know, obviously early on in the piece, I gave Nolene Tarua a call um, and had a chat with her because, um, you know, playing underneath her, she obviously, um, you know, got the best out of me those two years up on the Sunshine Coast. And so I wanted to have an honest, honest conversation with her and what she thought and whether I could continue developing the, the New Zealand competition. And, um, yeah, she was absolutely fantastic. Um, she, you know, obviously said that it was very different from Australia. Um, I would find some things challenging, but she said, you know, New Zealand is going to embrace you with open arms. Um, the club is fantastic. Um, you know, you're going to be working with two young shooters who are going to be eager to learn off you and the experience that the rest of the team has. Um, I, You know, when I hung up from her, I was really excited about the move, actually. It wasn't something that, you know, all of a sudden was, oh, well, it's doom and gloom having to leave the Australian competition to head to New Zealand. It was, I'm really excited to have this opportunity to head into New Zealand and um, to be the first Australian player, um, you know, now that we've split leagues and we've we've got our own competition here, to be able to go over there and play in their league and play against the Kiwi defenders um, in the lead-up to two major competitions, I think for myself, I'm really looking forward to that challenge. Well, let's talk about that uh, challenge that's coming up for the Australian Diamonds and for you within that program. Um, there's a camp that's coming up shortly. Um, so what what your kind of thoughts are around that? And just, I guess, you know, we've been starved of seeing the Australian Diamonds now and we'll have to wait a little bit longer. You know, how you're feeling about coming in under a new coach and, and the there's such a new look to the squad as well. What, what are your feelings are about going into that group? Yeah, look, I, I'm really excited that um, Stacey Marinkovic has been named as head coach. And I think for a few people, it came out of left field. But, um, you know, I've worked with her. She was captain when I first started playing at Perthorials. And she was a real role model and mentor for me when I was young and first um, playing up with the big girls. Um, and then she went on to become assistant coach of the West Coast Fever when Norma Plummer was head coach. And I found her, um, you know, a, a, 
so good to go to when, um, you know, I was struggling or maybe felt like I couldn't talk to Plum. Stacey was always there to have conversations with. And then when she took over as head coach, um, I think the style of her coaching, um, you know, it, it's, it's very um, conducive of, you know, what the young players want these days. We want confidence. We want um, open conversations. Um, you know, we want to talk about what's going to be best for us in, um, in terms of training and trying new things and doing different things. And I think Stacey's really open to those ideas. Um, you know, it has been tough not having much of a diamonds program this year and COVID has obviously made it really hard for us to do much internationally whatsoever. Um, we talked about potentially going to New Zealand and playing some tests, um, but we settled on having a camp instead. And so that's what's going to stop on the sunny coast or up in Noosa after um, the SSN season finishes um, because I decided to come back down here to Sydney. Um, I won't be taking part, neither will Kira Austin. She came back down home as well. Um, for us, I guess, waiting around another three weeks um, and, um, you know, in school holidays, finding a place to stay was really tough. So, we, you know, after being away for so long, we decided to come back down here to Sydney um, and we will obviously do some Zoom calls and make sure that we're a part of that camp. But it's, um, it's not a selection camp. It's, it's more of a team bonding camp. So the fact that, um, you know, they've, they've been flexible with players and understanding that it's been a tough year up in the hub has been great from that regard as well. I want to ask you, you're a seasoned campaigner when it comes to grand finals uh, with Sunshine Coast Lightning. You had so much success up there. What is what is your feeling about what's going to happen this year with the finals? Who do you think is the team to beat? Um, I'd just love to know your insight into grand final week um, and the finals and, and what you think is going to happen from here. Yeah, look, um, finals. For me, the two years that we won our back-to-back premierships were completely different. Um, the first year, um, you know, we had a dream run. Um, you know, we were playing uh, in front of our home crowd, um, albeit in Brisbane. And so we had that home final and that was awesome. Um, you know, the community totally came alive and everywhere we went, there were signs um, and support. Us, I think they changed all the um, the big LED lights on the freeway down the Bruce Highway that said, um, go, go lightning. So that was um, a pretty awesome experience. Um, and then that second year, we had to make the trip to Perth and go into, I guess, enemy territory. Um, for me, it felt very familiar. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that final was completely different. You know, 2017, um, we we had a clear lead and, and, and we run out that game quite comfortably, whereas 2018, it came down to the last quarter where we really had to scrap for that win. So um, I think for me, what I've observed this year, being in the hub, I think, um, Vixens, I was not surprised them going into um, straight through the grand final. I think um, the strength of their lineup, I think Emily Mannix has been absolutely incredible this year, along with um, Joe Weston. And that's a combination that we've seen developed for, you know, what, five years now almost. Mm. I think Kate Eddy has slotted perfectly into that wing defence position. Um, and, and then that midcourt in Kate Maloney, um, you know, Keegan Phillip or Caitlin Fox attack, I think that's been a really nice change up. Um, Lizzie Watson, obviously the most dominant wing attack in the uh, competition. And then um, MJ back there at shooter or having Katie back there at shooter just gives them a little bit of flexibility. 
Um, I think what I've liked most about Katie, Keegan sharing that goal attack position is they both play it really differently, but they both still look into the circle. Um, and that's obviously what MJ needs. She wants ball underneath the post. Um, she's really good at getting up and taking those two hands on it. So, um, oh, look, I... I <laughs> who wins this who week? I think they're going to play against. <laughs> yeah, look, obviously my heart says Sunshine Coast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I really want them to win. Um, I, I've got so many close connections still within that team and... Um, I've spent a lot of time with them, you know, even when I was up in the hub, um, taking the dogs to the dog beach with, um, you know, Cara Conan and Jackie Russell and, um, and, and Maddie McAuliffe. So I spent a lot of time with them while I was up in the hub. Um, I think, you know, Fever and obviously being led by Stacey, who, um, you know, being named as, as the coach of Diamonds, um, has just given us, you know, her more confidence in what she's doing out there on court. They've got Fowler, who's absolutely incredible. And super hard to stop, but um, yeah. Look, I <laughs> you're sitting on the be... fence. You're sitting on the fence. I don't Fever. know. I don't know. Look, after watching um, Fever, they had a slow start last week against Swiss, and I thought Swiss were gonna, you know, obviously just cruise with that win. Um, so I think it shows that West Coast Fever are vulnerable, and um, I think when we played against them this year, we beat them and then only just lost to them. So. Um, it really depends how they start. I'm going to say Lightning have probably had a bit of a rocket from their loss last week, and I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be Sunshine Coast as the victim. <laughs> oh, we got um, there in the end. We got the tip in the and end. And then I, I hate to say this, but I reckon Vixens will take it because they've just been incredible all season. <laughs> I love hearing you say that, but I, we finally got that uh, answer from you. One thing quickly <laughs> that someone asked on Twitter was. What was the difference in culture between Sunshine Coast Lightning and the success that you had there and the difference in then going to Giants and seeing what the culture was like there? Just quickly, what what was the significant differences for you being at the two different clubs? Yeah, um, it's an interesting one, um, the team culture, I guess. Um, at Lightning, I felt like we were all part of decision-making um, and that, we were all just really tight off the court. I think it's a different environment in the Sunshine Coast. Obviously, um, it's a small city. We all live near each other. You know, going to each other's house takes 10 to 15 minutes. Um, you know, a lot of us moved up there and moved away from our family. So our teammates were our families up there versus coming down here to Sydney. Um, and everyone has, you know, family or friends outside of netball. Some of the girls live on the northern beaches, which is like an hour away. So, you know, getting together to do social things is a little bit more challenging from that regard. Um, you know, I think the way, um, you know, Julie's coached for a very long time and she's obviously very close with the girls that she played um, or had as, as over in Magic. Um, so, you know, Jamie Lee, Christiana Manua, Joe Harton, I think um, they have a very close connection. I think at times, um, that, you know, that was a challenge for me coming in and, and wanting to share ideas and experiences that I'd had up on the coast. But, um, you know, the club obviously had existed before I got there, so they had a set way of doing things as well. Um, but, you know, I think for me, club culture is something that's ever-evolving and changing. And, um, you know, you don't have to be best friends on and off the court in order to play well. Um, I think it's about that respect. Um, and really what was instilled from me by the elders when I was playing in Diamonds was that it was making sure, you know, you, you did the basic things right. It was rocking up to training on time. It was 
um, you know, making each other accountable about doing recovery and making sure you had all that equipment. And I think at times um, I, I got a little bit frustrated at the fact that there were some standards that were slipping in that regard. Yeah, right. Interesting. See, Bass, with the contrast, that's for sure. Hey, we are going to let you go, but I've just got one last thing to throw at you because I don't know if you're aware of the intense focus that was on your bike riding throughout the season. <laughs> this is a bit more of a light-hearted one, Steve. After some pretty intense chats we've just had, uh, was it your decision to be on the bike? Do you like the bike? Where were you riding to? Yeah, look, um, obviously, uh, if people don't know, I'm a mad nail chewer. And so for <laughs> me, if I don't, if I'm not doing something, I'm chewing my own fingernails down to the nub. So the bike <laughs> played two parts for me. It was number one, kept me from biting my fingernails. And number two, kept me warm just in case I needed to go on. Obviously, with rolling subs these days, you don't have to call time. You can just run on and off the court. So I thought, I'll just jump on the bike. Um, and, you know, after one game, um, I, I made a bit of a joke about the tour to back. And I think it just took off from that. Mm. But I guess what was frustrating was that a lot of vision was shown on the bike of me. <laughs> um, not much vision was shown you know, when I was giving feedback at huddles or, you know, during the warm-up when I was getting in and around the girls, even that last game when I was injured, um, I was like, oh, I can't go out on court, so I'm not allowed to talk to the girls during warm-up. I'll take my book so I can have a quick read of it. So, um, you know, I didn't want to get roped into talking to too many people or getting distracted because obviously with COVID restrictions, I wasn't allowed to do much or be around strangers that weren't within our COVID bubble. Um, and then I guess, you know, the one thing that gets shown as me is me reading a book, um, which, you know, throughout the entire game, I was obviously encouraging the girls. I went to the change rooms at half time to give the girls feedback. Um, you know, I yelled out over the rails at three quarter time and quarter time to give them as much feedback as possible. So, yes, I did get to the stage where I joked about wearing a pair of bike knicks, you know, the padded undies, because my bum was getting a little bit sore from sitting on the bike the whole time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, for me, it was just more like, keeping my head in the game if I sat on the bench I would have um, had no fingernails and you, yeah it's not fun when you catch a ball and your fingernails are bleeding I know that is true that is true we do <laughs> want you to keep your long fingers to be able to catch the ball Sebas. Um, Caitlin it has just been so great to get um, the insight into your experiences this year how you're feeling about what's going to be happening next really appreciate your time today and uh, all the best for Kiwi no worries appreciate the sacrifices Bianca that you made to get up to the hub um this year and obviously um you know love that you two are still involved and sticking around in the game I think that's that's um what we always aim to achieve is that when great players leave the game we don't lose them forever okay well there you have it that was the Australian Diamonds captain Caitlin Bassett with us and I just I mean, I always love the insight that our guests give us. I think that they really do open themselves up and, and that was really fantastic to hear. And even just those insights as to how the last part of her season played out when she's, you know, out there doing the extras, playing the practice matches that all the juniors are playing because she's not getting that court time and just how tough that whole situation would have been throughout that hub, hub life. Oh, without a doubt. And I... You know, even just hearing the timing, I don't think many people understand that in that when clubs approach you or when you approach a club, there is a certain amount of time they'll give you before you've got to make your decision. You can't think about it for weeks and months. You, they, you have to sign straight away pretty much if you're going to go. So the fact that no Australian clubs were, you know, were definitely going to offer her something 
New Zealand had something on the table for her at Magic. So you, you kind of can't wait too long before you might lose both opportunities. So it makes sense why she's signed now um, and then hasn't kind of waited out for the Super Netball um, recruiting period to end. Um, and, you know, it makes sense now why she was on the bike for so many kilometres because she just didn't want to bite those nails. <laughs> 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 exactly so there's the answer we finally everyone's been wondering why the bike why so much bike um but it was great and you know in terms of netball australia too and that diamonds program that that's just a really interesting layer that um you know is involved in this conversation too so you know everyone seems like they're on board with that move and hopefully that can, you know, give her a bit of a spur to, um, to to regain some of that form that she said she lost even last year. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out for her over in New Zealand, as it will be interesting to see what happens this weekend, Bianca, and who is the team that joins the Melbourne Vixens in the grand final. We're nearly there. It's amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> we are nearly there. I'll let you just keep sitting on that fence until we know who wins in the prelim and who will be taking on on the Vixens uh, in the grand final. I tell you what, it's it's so strange being up here, knowing what it's been like for Asherah when we've made it into grand finals and how Melbourne comes alive when their teams, you know, get a home grand final. It's always meant so much to us in the past. So I'm just really fascinated to see how it is in Melbourne for you, having the Vixens in a grand final up here. It must be very, very strange. Very strange, Bianca, sitting by myself, uh, watching the game. <laughs> um, actually, you know, one one game, I think it was when we played the Fever and we came back and had that draw. So we were down by 14 goals and I was yelling at the TV. One of my kids had snuck around the corner and was videotaping me with their dad's <laughs> phone. And I'm like, go away. And then I'm like, ah, back at the TV. So it's a strange feeling doing that by myself here and not being able to join the crowd or the bench yelling uh, but I'm happy for you I'm happy that you're there um, you did a great job on the commentary on the weekend and no doubt over the next couple of weeks you'll do exactly the same thing go well B, and good luck to the teams that are left in this finals race <laughs> look forward to talking to you again next week Shaz it'll be great talk to you all then